What's up? I'm Danny Heifetz, and I'm here with my co-host, Danny Kelly, and the quarterback for the Los Angeles Chargers, Craig Horlbeck. <laughs> How are you guys doing? Doing well, doing well. How are you doing? Uh, I'm bad. Real bad. How are you doing, Craig? I'm happy to be here. Training camp is ramping up. I'm working on my body. I'm trying to do a lot of plyometrics, get loose. <laughs> so I'm feeling good. Do you know what plyometrics are, Craig? Absolutely. What do you What do? you do? Plyometrics are for like your vertical. It makes you jump higher. It's like explosive muscle exercises. Do you have the jump shoes from like Seinfeld or whatever? Yeah. Oh, what's that guy's name who has those? Uh, Jimmy. Jimmy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I got those. They're cool. Well, cool. It, it's it's August now, so I just think about Seinfeld and think of George just eating tomatoes like apples. <laughs> well, we can do a Seinfeld pot if you want. <laughs> <laughs> every, every running back has Seinfeld characters. Uh, no, I... Well, I'm going to talk about something relevant, which is the best Twitter thread I read in the year of 2019. And I came across this incredible... No, no, this is from last year, but it oh, blew okay. my mind. Got it. And it was... The person wrote, tweeted, please quote this tweet with a thing that everyone in your field knows and nobody in your industry talks about because it would lead to general chaos. <laughs> <laughs> this was my favorite... Re this got 15,000 retweets. I cannot tell you the things I read among the replies to this, among them being most college professors were never trained to teach. Uh, the heat death of the universe is inevitable. Someone wrote that trees can feel pain. Oh, <laughs> oh Jesus. No. Someone wrote every hotel room is pretty disgusting, no matter how clean it is. Oh, I know that. <laughs> a lawyer wrote that settling cases is cheaper than winning. Uh, and then my favorite one was a flight. Someone wrote flight attendants usually never know if you're going to make your connecting flight, but we just say yes to get y'all out of her face. <laughs> oh. Is the heat death of the universe is an inevitable thing that the fact that the earth is slowly moving towards the sun and it'll eventually eat it up? No, it's basically if Newton's second law of thermodynamics is true, then the universe constantly expanding. I think it's about entropy and chaos and basically we're all, we're all doomed. It's just, there will energy will just end. It's a, I'm not a scientist, but this is like in five years or five I think billion this years. Year. I think that's happening this year, actually. <laughs> yeah, it's starting. Got it's it. like, a, like, a, <laughs> okay. like a cycle. Uh, also, just one other one that's mind blowing. When, when cities get held hostage by ransomware, like cyber hacked, and they hire a security consulting company to like stop the hackers, most of those companies just pay the ransom. <laughs> that's how they get that's out of cool. it that, yeah. uh, google pro public a story about it actually the most mind-blowing thing well i feel like the smartest hackers are the people who are not employed by companies like that you know they're just like the guys <laughs> in like they're like dens in the basement like yeah they're pirates it's yeah. great surfing the high seas can anyway, we just start so every podcast with really really random facts yeah well so here's the thing so first of all yes it's like we already do but we can get okay. better about it but this got me thinking about what is the secret in fantasy football that everyone inside knows, but if it was public, it would lead to chaos. And I've decided that when the best fantasy football players are drafting and there's like 20 seconds left and the clock is ticking, they're not looking at rankings. They're looking at tiers. Mm. And there's an entire fantasy football draft industrial complex around putting rankings out. But that's not actually what the best players are looking at right before they make their picks. So first off, DK, do you want to explain what draft tiers are and then how you use them? Yeah, I mean, basically, you, you can do tiers in a few different ways. You can tier it by all positions, basically, like 
where you're going to take guys. Or you can you can make tiers in each position group. It's basically a decision making tool. It's something that helps you, like in the in the heat of the moment when the pressure's on, you can look at that tier and say, okay, I I like four guys almost equally or around the same value. And if there's four guys there, I can probably pick. I could probably pick a different position and still end up with one of these guys in my next pick. So it's basically helping you uh, predict where the cliffs are for each tier. So like, you know, if you really, really want a top tier quarterback, you're going to have to take him at X place. Whereas if you're okay having a guy in the next tier, then you can wait. Or if you're okay having a guy later on in the tier, that's just fine too. You don't have to pick in that position. So I like to look at it like if I'm on the clock, I like four different guys. I like four different receivers in this tier. So I'm fine taking something, taking a running back here where the teardrop is about to happen. And then I'll just be happy getting, you know, a different receiver a little bit later on. Again, for me, it's about a decision making framework, exactly as DK said. And it's really helped. Like at the end of the day, I think everyone knows, like, if someone is ranked 39th and another person's ranked 40th, that means the 39th person's is be like projected to be better but it's not like we will like life or death say 39 will be better than 40 but what where it's really helpful is that if scarcity changes throughout the draft so even though you know oh here's how scarce running backs are entering the draft when you get to like the 50th or 60th pick it's very helpful to know oh there is two people left on this board that i would be very happy with as my second running back and there are nine receivers left yeah. that I would be very happy left with as my second receiver. That's where it comes into and in saying, wow, it's much easier to track scarcity as it comes. And at the end of the day, value is about scarcity and supply and demand. That's really what it helps you track. I almost think you should label your tiers almost what you just said, Danny, like comfortable wide receiver twos, comfortable wide receiver threes, like usable flex options, just so you can kind of organize your thoughts. Where it really helps, where it really helps is that someone, when it's like, oh, Low-end wide receiver ones, wow, that could be my wide receiver three versus this running back, I don't care. There's, and that's where it really comes to help is when there's, you're, you're like, oh, there's 20 seconds left. What do I do? And then there's a huge gap between your value of position. So, so I'd recommend that's how actually I labeling them. your tiers, yeah. DK, is that how you use tiers kind of loosely? That's exactly right. I think it's just, it's a matter of figuring out who you want, like what position almost to take. You know, that's why I don't particularly like grouping all positions together is because it really just depends on your strategy on what you're taking into the draft like do you want to go late QB then you can wait really late on a QB you don't have to worry about you know X QB in that that tier so I like to I like to tear them out in position groups just because it gives me an idea of like where where to target each position and you can also draw a red line because some people are just like you know what I will not have Marlon Mack start for me. I will not do it. And it's very nice to be able to draw the line of, oh, crap. If I don't grab a running back now, I'm going to have Marlon Mack playing for me. So that's it's, it's just as helpful for that. So with that intro, we're going to do running backs today. We're going to do receivers later this week. Uh, I'm thrilled about this. This is, I, this is one of my favorite things to do. So shall we dive in? Yeah. It's a good, it's a good exercise to do, honestly, too, because then it sort of makes you like, make your calls and and decide if you're going to if you'd be willing to take these guys, you know, in these certain ranges. I completely agree. So I I I encourage people who want to do this ahead of their draft, if you actually take the time to sit down and make your own tiers, 
it's one of the most helpful things you can do when you actually draft. But if not, the fantasy football draft guide at the ringer.com, that is fantasyfootball.theringer.com. We have tiers in each position. This is actually the tiers we have in this episode. We have from the the get draft guide. We will be updating that next week once all the opt-outs for the season are pub- are known. But right now we're going to use the tiers we have on the ringer and we'll be talking about, you know, kind of what's changed in our thinking since then. Yeah. So starting with in a tier of his own tier one one player tier we got christian mccaffrey do we have any qualms with mccaffrey getting his own tier no i see this as if we did a fast food ranking this would be in and out and it's just obviously deserves its own tier <laughs> okay okay oh my god the california okay mccaffrey is the in and out of running backs moving on I, no, 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 no. first of all can i spit some truth at you but in and out no the name is a lie <laughs> I have never in my life been in and out of an in and out. It That's takes a it's long so time. It's popular. No, it's because they they purposefully space them across cities so they're really high traffic, but the result is they're not quick at all. No, it's because they actually have to cook your food freshly upon order and it's not sitting under a heat lamp and they can just flip it out at you like a Frisbee. So don't call it in and out if you have to in and then stay and then leave. Is Burger King the king of burgers? <laughs> names are just names. Say. Feels the like we're getting off track a little here. <laughs> anyway, well, McCaffrey is the best. We all know it. We can go to tier two. We McCaffrey's number one. Yeah, it's it's clear. All right, tier two. We got Saquon Barkley, Ezekiel Elliott, Alvin Kamara, and Dalvin Cook. Uh, I think in my mind, this tier is guys who could finish as the number one player in fantasy football this year, and nobody would be surprised. Uh, any qualms with that tier? Saquon, Zeke, Kamara, and Cook. No, I mean, I think I think this is a pretty solid group, and. The only question mark I guess I have is whether or not Dalvin Cook belongs in this group. I think he did enough last year to to make his way up into this elite group. The other question I wanted to ask you guys, is there a world where you would take Alvin Kamara over Ezekiel Elliott? Or is it is it absolutely Barkley, Elliott, Kamara, then Cook? Mm, I mean, if, if we're talking PPR leagues, I think you could make the argument. And honestly, I'm okay. I, I actually think that I'm okay with any variation of these four people. If somebody yeah. took Dalvin Cook second, I wouldn't even like spit out my water or anything like that's, that. That's so. That's actually maybe even a better framework for how to make tiers. Yeah, is the yeah. way I look at tiers is I don't care how you order these people. Maybe it's not the way I would do it, but if you're like, I think Ezekiel Elliott will be better than Saquon this year. I disagree, but you're not crazy. It doesn't make me feel anything. But if you're saying Aaron Jones will be better than Saquon this year, that's nuts to me. That's why Aaron Jones is in a different tier. So I don't care how we order the people in these groups at all. I took Alvin Kamara in a Dynasty Superflex mock for Roto World last week over Elliot. And then I was thinking to myself, like, was that a hot like, was that a hot take? Or was that something that people are going to be like, what are you doing? But I really don't think there's that big of a difference between any of these guys. I think it's just a matter of preference. That was a PPR league. I just think Kamara's still, you know, got the upside to be just this absolutely, you know, high, high upside guy, you know, in the receiving game particularly. So, yeah. Does it scare you guys at all? I think Kamara is the most like, maybe it's Saquon as well, but he's definitely like kind of the sexiest pick, I think, in the first five picks is Alvin Kamara. He almost is every year. There's just something alluring about him. I don't know if it's the fact that he's just a receiving back and that's what's so cool or if it's like smooth style of play. Does it at all worry you? Because I think I want him out of those four guys because it's just fun to have him on your team. But like, isn't it just way safer to have Zeke because he's going to get 300 rushes and just like be consistent? And yeah. Alvin Kamara is going to have like 208 touches, but like 90 of them will be catches. So like those are more valuable. Like, does it worry you at all from like a security standpoint? 
I have mm. Zeke over Kamara, but I'm not worried because if you have one of the first four picks, I want one of the first four running backs. At five, you can talk to me about Dalvin Cook or Michael Thomas, but I'm still taking Cook just because of how running backs are this year. But like, do you value w- worry is not and- the word. It's like an intellectual curiosity. But I, I don't <laughs> yeah. feel worried about like Alvin Kamara's work. So like the security of 300 touches is not more alluring to you about a guy it, you're no, it in is. the first round. I, I have, it absolutely is. And I have Zeke higher than Kamara. But it's not worrying enough because I think the Saints are going to be so good this year. And I think their defense is going to be so good this year that I, I, I'm, I'm not going to get emotional. I think their line's really good. Doing the, doing the best shape of their lives thing? No, oh, the best shape of their lives. Yeah, that's a, yeah. Kamara I think the Saints posted some picture of him. Like he looks freaking jack i think the saints are going to win the super bowl so (laughs) all right let's let's keep going here because we don't really disagree about anything yet tier three this is where we're probably a little different than everyone we have tier three is just derrick henry and joe mixon which i look at as guys who could finish as the number one running back but like we don't really believe they're gonna do it there's at least more question marks the floor and the ceiling are further apart i feel like for these guys so i'm a big henry believer i I think henry's just gonna go off i think he's you know he breaks tackles. He creates his own yardage at a higher rate than any other back in football. He's going to get the volume. What do you mean he creates his most yards? What do you mean by that? He So actually, I saw this from uh, NFL.com, did the Next Gen Stats. Nick Shook at NFL.com did a study on it's, it's yards over expectation for, rush, for running backs. It's sort of like the completion rate over expectation for quarterback stat that, that, that's been kind of gaining some popularity. And Derek so he Henry... People. Yeah, Derrick Henry finished first in the NFL in yards over expectation as a running back the last two seasons and by like a pretty good margin. So um, I think that, you know, to me is is indicative of like the quality and, and caliber of player he is, how difficult it is to tackle him. And, you know, pair, pairing that with the fact that he's going to get a ton of volume is what makes me feel really good about him. The, and, but he's in tier three because he doesn't get, you know, he's not a pass catcher in the in at least anywhere near the guys above him. So I think that's the big question mark. And, and anybody in tier three is going to have some question marks. Craig, what pick do you have to have to take either Henry or Joe? Mc- like, if you, what pick do you need to have Derrick Henry where you're like, oh yeah, I got Derrick Henry? Like ninth or tenth, maybe? I'm just not excited to have Derrick Henry on my I agree. team. I'm I very not both- excited to have Joe Mixon on my team. I think I wrote this in the in our in our uh, planning thing here. I just feel like I'd rather have the guys in the next tier more than the guys in this tier. And I know that's incorrect, but there's there is still something about being excited about your fantasy team. And Derrick Henry and Joe Mixon just don't make me excited. I'd rather take a receiver. I think this reminds me of last year when we all wanted the fourth round guys instead of the third round guys. Yeah, I mean, I don't. I think I'd rather have the first five picks of the draft or the last three. I don't want to be in like the seven, eight, nine range. All right, well, let's look at Tier 4 for a second. Let's mo- might as well merge them into Tier 4. Tier 4 for us is Kenyon Drake on the Cardinals, Aaron Jones on the Packers, Miles Sanders on the pa- uh, I almost said the Packers. Miles Sanders on the Eagles, and Nick Chubb on the Browns, Josh Jacob on the Raiders, and Austin Eckler on the Chargers. First of all, any qualms with if those guys should be promoted or relegated, and how do you guys feel about those guys in Joe Mixon and Derrick Henry? Mm, I, I think that's a pretty solid group. I, I don't really feel... I don't feel strongly that any of those guys should be dropped out. I would say, and Danny, we had this discussion yesterday. Are, is there any reason to be worried about Nick Chubb? So I... You think he could be higher, potentially. I think Nick Chubb could be a lot higher, a lot lower. Here's the problem with, with, with the Browns this year. We have not gotten a normal offseason, obviously, and so there's just very little information about the new coaching staffs. 
There's very little information about this Browns coaching staff because Kevin Stefanski, who's the coach now for the Browns, has been calling plays for, what, like one year? He, he has a very limited history. I don't know much about right. what he's going to do. And basically, the knock on the, like, the approach to the Browns goes like this. Nick Chubb is amazing. Since he came into the league, he has, like, the first or second most rushing yards, almost won the rushing yards title last year. But in the first half of the season, he was, like, a top three running back. And in the second half of the season, when Kareem Hunt came back from suspension, Nick Chubb was basically like the 22nd best running back and Kareem Hunt was like the 23rd best running back. They were basically the same in fantasy points when he returned. So is Nick Chubb really <laughs> safe with touches? My problem with that argument is it's about usage. All the people who decided Nick Chubb's usage were fired. That's a different coaching staff. It's right. a different front office. And I wouldn't usually cite a front office in running backs, but John Dorsey was the GM. John Dorsey drafted Kareem Hunt in Kansas City and then was in Cleveland, and the coaches in Cleveland were had job security problems. It does matter about playing Kareem Hunt when John Dorsey drafted Kareem Hunt. So I, I, I guess that I'm just dubious of a lot of the reasoning to doubt Nick Chubb's workload. It's more to me about we have no idea how Kevin Stefanski is going to use Chubb or Hunt. Do you guys have any clues to that? We're kind of just going off a different coaching staff from last year. Well, and I think that just makes Chubb not the pick you want in this in this range because – I don't know. I feel like coaches always lean more towards a committee like when you can. Like why overwork a player when you don't have to, especially when you have a backup like Kareem Hunt who won the rushing title as a rookie in Kansas City or was close to it. Like these guys are pretty similar in talent, whether or not Chubb's an incrementally better rusher. But they're so close in talent that I, I really would find it hard to believe if they're just going to give Chubb like 80% of the touches. Like that just doesn't seem likely to me. Why wouldn't they use both? Yeah. And I, I think they should probably be a bit closer in the rankings. DK, can you, I think that a lot of people succeed in an Andy Reid offense. There's a tendency to think maybe they're a system running back. Can you talk about how freaking good Kareem Hunt is on the field? Like just context that he maybe is not a system player. Oh yeah. I don't think, I don't think Hunt is a system player. I mean, he's been, he's he coming out of college. He was one of the most elusive backs coming into the draft. He proved that in the NFL. He's a much better pass catcher than I think anyone realized. He was running like vertical routes for the Kansas city chiefs offense. Um, you know, wheel routes up the, up the sideline, all that stuff. Like, he's a good receiver. He's very elusive. He's built like he's he, he can, you know, shoulder a heavy load. And I think that's the main thing that worries me is none of these other guys in this tier, like Jacobs has some other competition from like Jalen Richard and then, a, and then a rookie. It's There's other things there that worry you a little bit. You're like worried Miles that Josh Sanders. Jacobs has rocks for hands. <laughs> no, I think he's a good receiver. It just doesn't seem like the Raiders want to use him like that. Um, and then, you know, obviously you got Aaron Jones has the rookie coming in, AJ Dillon, but no one in this tier has the same caliber of quote backup that Chubb does. So ultimately, I think Chubb's in the right spot here. I, I don't doubt this ranking. I think you could even maybe make the argument to move him up, but I think there's enough uncertainty over his volume with the new coaching staff, with his really good backup, that there's a, there's a little bit of a reason to, I guess, just be concerned. One other player I'd like to nominate um, a conversation for in this tier, and I want to call him the Steven Glansberg of this tier. What, so I got to sit here and eat dessert alone like I'm fucking Steven Glansberg? I get, yeah, I mean, what do you want me to do? Josh Jacobs, who I actually think no one is talking about. Like, we haven't said one DK word about DK just talked him. about him. This is the first time. And I never read about him. No one ever talks about him. I think it's just kind of assumed that like he doesn't get catch passes, but he was phenomenal. I think he was like, wasn't he PFF's number one running back in 2019? And 
He was so good. He was so good as a rookie. Or whatever. Yeah. He, I, he was really up there. And like he most, was high. Yeah, yeah. So here's my only thinking is like, are we all maybe underrating the possibility that Josh Jacobs could catch 42 passes and then be like a, the third best running back in the league? If you're looking for Christian McCaffrey, and by that I mean the guy going in the middle of the second round who could just be the top running back, which was the case in 2018, I think it's in this tier because I think maybe Nick Chubb could just win the job, get 80% of the touches. I think Miles Sanders could do the same thing in Philadelphia, and he's, oh, he's amazing. I think Austin Eckler, oh yeah, he's exactly like September of last year, or Josh Jacobs. Like I, There's Kenyon Drake. Like I do think basically everyone in this tier except Aaron Jones, to me, could finish top two or three. And I wouldn't be shocked at all. I feel like even Jones could. That's why having the last pick in, in a 12 or 10 team draft would be really nice to just turn the corner and, and hit both two of these guys. So to answer your question, though, I, I do think there is a chance that Jacobs ends up being a three down back for the Raiders and ends up getting the vast majority of the receiving work. But and, and I think that's what the Raiders have said they envision for him. However, the like the proof has been more in what they've actually done. They re-signed Jalen Richard to a contract. They drafted Lynn Bowden in the third round and called him a running back. So I guess the assumption there is that he's going to be sort of their pass catching running back. He was the he was a receiver slash quarter like wildback quarterback, a wildcat quarterback in college. So I don't know. I think it's just their actions are different than their words. And I think that's really scaring people off. And I would probably be in that group of people that are scared off. I just think that He's really, really good, and he has, like, one of the biggest things I love about him coming out of Alabama was he's a good receiver, but they just haven't used him like that yet. And so I think that's just the question mark there. But uh, you could make the same questions. You could really have the same questions for a lot of these guys is how they're going to be used, what kind of volume they're going to have. Yeah, I don't know if it's just my human nature is why I was like, I'm starting to get interested in Josh Jacobs, even though I was so disinterested in him like a month and a half ago, just because no one's talked about him. I'm like, maybe this is a diamond in the rough that I can, you know, get some good value on. I like him. I think he's a great player and, and you know, I think he's only going to get better. So uh, I don't I don't think that's a bad idea to kind of target him in that area. There is one guy who should be in this tier. Yeah, we're not. promoting we're promoting Clyde Edwards Alaire from the previous tier. Obviously, we he is the rookie from LSU. He's expected to be really good. So yesterday, Damian Williams, the incumbent running back for the Chiefs that we have had many arguments about, he opted out of the season. His mother has stage four cancer, so he chose not to play this year due to the pandemic. So his absence leaves basically leaves Clyde Edwards-Hilaire uh, as the seemingly clear option to be the starting running back for that team. So where do you guys, would you take Clyde Edwards-Hilaire? Obviously, he's no longer alongside Todd Gurley and Melvin Gordon people, but where would you put him in this group with like Kenyon Drake, Aaron Jones, Miles Sanders, Chubb, Josh Jacobs, and Eckler, or would you put him above them? I would squarely put him in tier four, but I... I... I know some people are putting him in like tier three or even higher. Like some people are putting right, putting him right below Dalvin Cook. They're that they believe that strongly in the Chiefs' offense. They believe that strongly in in their ability to score points and how they'll use him in the passing game. And I really, I'm I'm not strongly against that, but I I don't think. And you know, we talked about this on the last pod. It the Damian Williams opting out thing doesn't really affect my opinion of Edwards Hilaire that much other than it, it it just kind of confirms what I was already believing that I think he's going to be the lead guy anyway I think they probably will end up doing like a 70-30 split with whoever whether it's uh, Washington or you know like going and sign Devontae Freeman or something like that you know there's still these chances they could bring in a veteran but I still think Edwards is probably going to get like 65-70% of the workload in that offense and so keeping him in around this tier 4 tier 5 I, I think tier 4 squarely 
is where he belongs now. I agree, but I have no problem if you put him at the top of this tier. Yeah, because I putting him right right with Kenyon Drake feels right to me. You could take him in the first round, and I wouldn't be upset. Yeah, yeah. I think now that he's out, Williams is out. I, I don't think there's anyone in this backfield who really approaches what he's going to be able to do. And as much as I had my qualms when Williams was there, I, I just I no longer have them. So there you go, DK. I've joined the CEH bandwagon. Hope there's still room. All right, guys, before we get to our next tier, let's take a quick break to talk about FanDuel because sports are back. Shout out the bubble. We are taking in all of the action on FanDuel Sportsbook. How did you guys feel watching basketball this week? It was amazing. I love everything they've done. I have no problems with the virtual fans. I like the piped in noise. I don't know if it's just sports are back. That's blinded me, but I'm all in. I was shocked how much I liked the baseball fans in the crowd, but I'm creeped out by the NBA ones. I just love seeing people argue on Twitter about sports and be excited about sports again. It's awesome. Yeah, it's great. We should get a cardboard cutout of all three of us and put it at Dodger <laughs> Stadium. That'd be fun. How much would that cost? I don't know. We I'll look into that. it. We will look, we'll do that off air. Okay. FanDuel is America's number one sportsbook app. The app is really easy to use. There's no thumb hover, which means I'm thinking I don't know what to click next. Never have that on FanDuel. Whether you're a seasoned better or you're new to betting, you'll find what you're looking for in just a few taps. No thumb hover. And once you win, FanDuel pays you out in as little as 24 hours. Best of all, FanDuel Sportsbook will let you place your first bet risk-free. Just place any bet you want and get up to $500 back if you don't win. Craig, have you already placed your, you already placed a bet, right? Yeah, FanDuel gave me 10 free bucks to bet for the return of the NBA. Threw it on the Lakers-Clippers game. Made a little lineup. Won 12 bucks. So, like... <laughs> I'm all in. I have one issue with you, and it's because you're a coward. Because you sent us the screenshot that you were winning money with like eight <laughs> minutes left in the fourth quarter, which is what you do when you want to show us that you are winning, but you're afraid that you will drop out of the winner's circle and you want to capture it before you lose. I was at $15 then, and then I ended up at 12 but you're right. I was a little You I were like, you're on the downslope because I feel like you were way higher, and then you saw it go down, and you're like, oh, shit, I got to make sure they know I'm winning. I felt good about my lineup. I was proud. I picked Jermichael Green. You know, I, I really made some smart moves. Always, always bet on Jermichael Green. That's our fantasy football uh, <laughs> advice. Download the FanDuel Sportsbook app to get started and be sure to sign up with promo code RINGERFANTASY so they know that we sent you. That is FanDuel Sportsbook with the promo code RINGERFANTASY. National disclaimer, 21 plus and present in New Jersey, Pennsylvania, West Virginia, Indiana, or Colorado. First online real money wager only. See sportsbook.fanduel.com for terms and restrictions. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. Or in Indiana, call 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Or in Colorado, call 1-800-522-4700. Next here, we've got... I guess I would describe this as high volume guys with like a lot of question marks. It's yeah. kind of all like guys aging out of their running back prime, maybe. <laughs> yeah. Guys, guys where we're like, they're still here. Todd Gurley on the Falcons, Melvin Gordon on the Broncos, Leonard Fournette on the Jaguars, even though they were very openly trying to trade him. David Johnson on the Texans, Chris Carson on the Seahawks, James Conner on the Steelers, Le'Veon Bell on the Jets, and then Jonathan Taylor on the Colts. Do you yeah. guys have any qualms with anyone in this group, whether they should be promoted or relegated? A lot of these guys are guys who are awesome on a different team and are now on a new team and are a little bit older. So I guess I want to talk about the young guys more than anything, because I feel like we kind of know what we're getting with guys like 
Le'Veon Bell, Leonard Fournette, Todd Gurley to a degree. I'd like to, I want to talk about what your guys' thoughts on Jonathan Taylor and Chris Carson. Yeah. I was actually thinking this right as you were talking is that I, I could, I, I would not be opposed putting Carson and Taylor and maybe even James Conner, honestly, in tier four with, with the likes of Josh Jacobs and, and that kind of group. Because, hey, look, for whatever reason, people just cannot buy into the Chris Carson thing. Like, you know, maybe it's because Rashard Penny is there or they just don't believe in him. I don't know. Like he did Carlos have Hyde. Yeah, he did have. Well, yeah, yeah. I, I think Hyde is more just like insurance in case. It's Carson the Rashad Penny turn, but because some people can't wrap their minds that just because Rashad Penny was a first rounder, Chris Carson is a seventh rounder, that Chris Carson is the best running back on the Seattle Seahawks. I think it's hard for people to kind of, yeah, figure that out or, or at least just accept it. Last year, in half PPR, Carson was the QB or was the running back 11. He was an RB1. He was fifth in rushing yards. Yeah. And he's on an, on a team that absolutely will never give up running the ball for <laughs> anything. Like it's the most locked in thing you could imagine. Is what if they got he just gets hurt what, all the what, time? What if they were cybersecurity hacked? Would they would they stop running the ball? <laughs> Maybe that's the I, thing. Maybe you no. have to hack them, DK, and just be like, if you start passing more on first down. I will relinquish. DK, why does Chris Carson feel less safe than every other running back? That's what I'm trying to. That's what I'm trying to ask. I, you know what? I I went into last year very very confident in Carson. He did have the fumbling issue, which kind of affected him a little bit, but he still finished as a as a running back one. He would he played in 15 games. He Rashard Penny is not probably going to even start the season. He's going to be on the pup list probably for at least the first six weeks, um, maybe longer. Even if they do split, you know, the workload at, you know, after uh, Penny gets back, I still think that Carson still has that upside to be a low end RB one. So I don't know. I just don't get exactly why the consensus on Carson is so low. I think it's I think just, it's pretty simple. Everyone else in this tier, Todd Gurley, real life first rounder, actual fantasy first rounder, was the fantasy top running back. Melvin Gordon, real life first rounder. Leonard Fournette, real life top five pick. Right. David Johnson, real life. Third rounder who became the number one running back in all of fantasy four years ago. James Conner, mm. not a first rounder, but replaced Le'Veon Bell and then was really good, which made him very po- and for the America's like third most popular team. And then Le'Veon Bell, real life second rounder for America's third most popular team. Very good for a long time. Jonathan Taylor, second round. Chris Carson, seventh rounder who got his job like after two other people ahead of him got hurt. And like he's just not famous. And he just you know, it's just it's completely different his rise, and he's never stayed healthy for a full a full season. So it's just he's never been oh like a league winner. He's just never been his ceiling's never been what these guys have. Yeah. But to Craig's point, the biggest issue I have with this tier, and the biggest change I've had since we made these tiers a few weeks ago for the guide launch, is I'm wondering if James Connor should be in tier four, or if there should be a tier ahead of this one with Todd Gurley mm. and James Connor. Because I don't think James Conner and Le'Veon Bell should be in the same tier. I Le'Veon Bell, in my mind, does not have the upside that James Conner. I can't. James Conner's best case scenario is top five running back. Le'Veon Bell's best case scenario to me is not a top five running back. So I, I, I would split this tier into like call me King Solomon. Well, and then maybe that's where Clyde Edwards Hilaire is, or maybe he jumps two tiers then. Yeah. And then well, I I agree with you, Heifetz. And maybe we put Chris Carson in that tier because DK kind of convinced me. I'm looking yeah. at it. I'm looking at Chris also Carson's Jonathan name. Taylor. Maybe I don't know. I would I would cleave this. We can maybe when you check the fantasy guide next week, we'll we'll do this. But I would cleave Connor Carson 
I would rescue them. Or we could just rel- maybe we just go through the next tier and maybe we relegate Le'Veon to it because that's the only thing about Carson simpler. is like, well, what's actually interesting is he played 15 games last year and 14 the year before that, which is more than I thought he played. Right. I feel like he just is playing through injuries a lot then maybe, but he only caught 20 passes two years ago and he caught 37 last year. So is he a little Josh Jacobsy? Yeah. But maybe he should just be with Josh Jacobs then. Like, why? Is there any reason why one of those is better than the other? Jacobs is is a first rounder, again. No, but like in your head, like when you're drafting, if if you were looking at the two of them, would you be like these are pretty much equal to me? I still feel like I'd probably put Jacobs on a higher tier mentally, but I like in reality. I don't think there's that big of a difference. What does that mean? What are you Who cares about, about reality? This is fantasy football. Don't give me reality. This is my escapism. I'm saying even me, who is a Seahawks fan, who's been a, a Chris Carson truther, still can't quite get there. It's just because everybody on the Seahawks is undervalued. <laughs> it's going to be a truther DK if to go all the way. I do think I think there's a good argument to be made that to, to move Carson up here and, and move Taylor up, who's going to be running behind one of the best offensive lines. We might NFL. just be moving other people down. Let's go to the next tier. The next tier... Is, this is a big drop to me. Yeah, tier five and tier six. There is, is a huge. chasm. There is there is a lot. This is so in terms of like the practical element in all my drafts. What I've been realizing is I want one of the running backs we've already talked about, like those tier five guys. As I would, I want one of those guys to be at least my starting running back. Would love to grab two, and if I can't get two of those guys, then I want really good wide receivers. But I almost if, like the idea of starting with two big wide receivers and then getting two of those running backs. That Whatever the formula is, there's a big drop in my mind here. Uh, tier six is Chicago's David Montgomery, Buffalo's Devin Singletary, Baltimore's Mark Ingram, LA's Cam Akers, and Detroit's DeAndre Swift. LA These are all guys team. that there's just huge questions here. David Montgomery, how good is he? Devin Singletary, is he going to be like, a great running back, or is Zach Moss going to eat into his carries? Mark Ingram, is he even going to start for the team? I kind of want to start there, DK. Mark Ingram was amazing last year, but had a lot of touchdowns. Now they drafted J.K. Dobbins. Do you yeah. think Mark Ingram is the starting running back for the Baltimore Ravens in like October, assuming there was professional football in October? Nominally, he's going to be the starter, but I think they're going to split it enough that it's going to really drastically affect his fantasy standing. And um, I just think Dobbins is such a good player. He's he's definitely going to eat into Ingram's like bottom line. So that's why he moves down into this group. I looking at this group, if David Johnson and David Montgomery were on the board at the same time for me, I'm going I'm going Montgomery. Why? I know that you guys. I know that this is becoming sort of a bit on the pod that you guys love David Johnson. I don't buy it, but they're going to get. They're both going to get similar, if not like exactly the same type of volume I think Montgomery is is the guy in Chicago I think they're still standing behind him even though he was pretty under underwhelming as a rookie um, he's younger he's been healthy I, just, I don't know I just think I, I'm picking Montgomery over Johnson no there's a good side. argument here and I think that there's a reason you're behind him which is I mean at the end of the day you're, you're a tape grinder DK but there's no one else on the Bears roster that can do what David Montgomery can do it's not like someone else eating his lunch Tariq Cohen his skill set is nothing like it's different. Yeah, yeah. And behind him is, who is it? Ryan Nall. There's, there's some Ryan Nall truthers out there, but yeah, I don't, he, I don't well, think we, he's going to be We will not starter. mention them. They're, we will not mention them on this podcast. Yeah, but uh, I think the biggest difference here is that Tariq Cohen can do what no one on the Texans can do. I mean, last year- How did David Texans, Johnson get roped into this? Well, I mean, it's just sitting on the sideline and we're like, fuck you. Like, this is how the tier system works, Danny. You got to, you got to decide. He's on the relegation block. Duke Johnson caught 44 passes last year and had 62 targets on the Texans and Tariq Cohen had over a hundred targets. And it's like, 
I think that David Johnson can do what Duke Johnson can do. And I think David Montgomery cannot do what Tariq Cohen can do. And I think that's the difference. Yeah, but I think, honestly, I well, this gets into the question of like coaching decisions. But like Duke Johnson is a more complete running back. Like Duke Johnson could be 1B. Duke, uh, and I don't know how you can didn't say they that. they trade for, Duke, go, for David Johnson? Literally go Duke look Johnson at any of, any of Duke Johnson's stats. He, he is can incredibly he Look good. at David can Johnson's stats. Can he run between stats? the tackles or not? What's that? Because it seems like three different coaching staffs have been like, Duke Johnson can run between the tackles, and then they try and he can't, and they have someone else do it. The argument cannot be, look at these two guys' stats. David Johnson was the number one player in football in 2015. Well, it's part of a whole offense. But <laughs> you know question, how long ago that is? Well, Duke Johnson's <laughs> never been that, so how can all you say, look say that? Years that happened. Barack Obama was president when David Johnson <laughs> did that. That's all I'm going to say about that. All right. Yeah. So anyway, Le'Veon Bell, we had in the the, the tier above this. That would makes you guys no relegate Le'Veon Bell to this, or would you promote David Montgomery to the likes of Melvin Gordon and David Johnson? Or would you? Are you saying you would bring them down? I would relegate Le'Veon before I promoted Montgomery. I think ultimately I'm fine with putting like Montgomery in the same tier as Ingram, Akers, and Swift. Singletary maybe worries me a little bit in this group just because I don't, yeah, I, I'm just not confident with how they're going to use him exactly. He's not going to be, I don't think he's going to be the pass catcher for them. It could be like a 1A, 1B thing with with Moss. And I don't know. I'm just not super confident in Singletary at this point, but it's hard to, it's hard to predict where, what they're going to do in that backfield. I think I'd rather have Singletary than Mark Ingram. And I don't know. I don't really know why, but that's just how I feel. I think we can all agree. Monk, David, if you want upside, if you're who could, which of these guys could be a, I don't want to be like Josh Jacobs, but a top 10 running back. David Montgomery, Devin Singletary, and Cam Akers, to me, clearly have the most upside. Mark Ingram does not because Mark Ingram is unlikely to get better than last year. And I like Craig's idea. Like, you want someone to theoretically have the best year ahead of them. Mark Ingram right. does not. And I love Mark Ingram. So DeAndre Swift is the name here that I'm just like, meh. I like Swift. I'm, I'm, I'm higher than on Swift, I think, than a lot of people. And maybe that's just because I'm very low on carry on. Okay, well, let's keep going because this is where things get interesting. Tier seven, we have, these are like the backup running backs that could be really good. We don't know. Kareem Hunt <laughs> right. on Cleveland, New England's James White, Tampa Bay's Ronald Jones. We had Damian Williams in this tier. Obviously, he opted out. With the San Francisco, we have Tevin Coleman and Raheem Mostert because when we made these tiers, uh, Raheem Mostert wanted to trade. Detroit's Carryon Johnson. We have Baltimore's J.K. Dobbins, Miami's Jordan Howard, and Washington's Darius Geis. Let's talk about Ronald Jones because Tampa Bay signed LaShawn McCoy yesterday and Keyshawn Vaughn, who's the rookie they drafted, was put on the COVID reserve list. Do you think LaShawn McCoy would actually eat into Ronald Jones's carries or did they just sign LaShawn McCoy because they need someone to show up to practice? Hi, Fitz. Can you describe what the COVID reserve list is? It is for people who tested positive for COVID-19 or were exposed to someone who tested positive and the NFL is not going to release which of those it is. So... We don't know why, but we know that he was um, either tested positive or exposed to someone who did. Uh, but players aren't going to be doing pra padded practices until, I believe, August 17th. Usually they do that late July. I mean, we'll see if we even get to August 17th at this point, the way MLB is going. But we're not at the point where I'm going to start saying I'm out down on Keyshawn Vaughn because he's on the COVID-19 list. But I'm just more curious about the football-wise, if LaShawn McCoy's skill set to UDK is more eating into Ronald Jones' skill set or Keyshawn Vaughn. <laughs> I don't know, man. Like this is <laughs> what a mess. What a freaking mess. Freaking disaster. I Welcome to the 2020 season. I want Ronald Jones more now. Welcome I like, to the 2020 yeah, season. I've been the Ronald Jones truther. I I still think he's 
better than Keyshawn Vaughn. I think he's way better than people are giving him credit for. He was a second rounder. And so I actually saw a report from ESPN that was doing like projections on on depth charts and stuff. This was like last week. And they had Ronald Jones as the as the early down starter and then Dario Gumwale as the third down back. And then they had Keyshawn Vaughn as the backup. Now that's that's obviously not set in stone. That's just an early, early offseason prediction. But I think people are there's people who really, really think Keyshawn Vaughn is going to be like the guy in this backfield, and I really don't buy it quite yet. Um, and you know, hitting the COVID list, I don't, I don't know if that's going to affect his season long standing at all. But adding McCoy into this group just, you know, makes an already really, really controversial, I think, and confusing backfield even worse. All that said, though, I'm still sticking with Jones. Like Jones is the guy I'm targeting in that backfield. For five years, it's been really annoying to analyze the Buccaneers backfield for five <laughs> years in a row. And now we're talking about how coronavirus impacts it. My only statement here is please, everyone, just wear masks. Yeah, please. I, I saw someone say this. I saw someone say this on Twitter, and I apologize. I can't remember who it was, but it was it was the perfect point. It, it's the person who ends up the the running back who ends up being the starter in New England or not New England in Tampa Bay this year is is who Tom Brady wants to be on the field. Yes, and who Tom Brady trusts. I think it's so, Ronald Jones for that reason. I don't know who that is. Like Jones has certainly had his issues in his in his two seasons in the NFL. He improved a lot last year. I don't know if. Keyshawn Vaughn is maybe going to be more reliable, but at the same time, he is a rookie who has proven nothing. I thought being a rookie running back didn't matter, DK. Well, no, he came from Vanderbilt. He, like, I'm sorry. I don't think the Vanderbilt running back is going to start out the season blocking for Tom Brady. I'm sorry. <laughs> I just don't think it's going to happen. I think Ronald Jones has been yeah. in the NFL. LaShawn McCoy is washed up. Okay. Let me reach out to Brady. Maybe we can get him on the pod. <laughs> the other guy I just want to mention here, uh, Darius Geis. Washington's going to carry like five running backs. Do you think there's any chance he has a significant enough workload to be a top running back or they're just going to cap him and maybe he'll be exciting, but he's not going to get you to workload? I think that's a very good question. I think it's it's smart. It, it would be smart of them to cap his his carries just to be a little bit careful. He's obviously ended the last few seasons with knee injuries, multiple knee injuries. So that's just really concerning. He did look outstanding when he was, when he was healthy last year. There was a stretch there where he was... Um, healthy and looking good he and and it was like a three or four week stretch where he led the nfl in elusive rating which is broken tackles and, and yards after the catch it's a pff stat um so he certainly started to look like the guy i think that the, the that washington drafted him to be in the second round i think he was a second rounder but at the end of the day i mean he's been he's been so injured he's, he's had so many knee injuries that it's just really really concerning it, it, i can't I can't really say that I think he's going to get a really heavy workload this year. It could happen, but I think that's why we're putting him this low. Okay. Tier eight. Hold on. Let's, before we move on, are there, is there anyone in this tier that you think needs to be lower? I personally have a problem with having carry on Johnson in the same like discussion as like Raheem Mostert and Kareem Hunt and even JK Dobbins. I, I would like carry on to me would be like two or three tiers lower. Craig, as an wow. unpaid public relations representative for Carry On Johnson, would you like to respond? <laughs> you really feel that much more confident that you'd rather have Jordan Howard on the Dolphins than Carry On Johnson? Yeah, I would pick. I would pick Howard over Johnson at this point. Well, it's funny because it's like you're comfortable having Geis there, who's had like a litany of knee injuries, and Carry On Johnson has had less injuries than Darius Geis and has produced better seasons, and they're probably the exact same age. Yeah, but Darius. So there's a difference in projecting sort of the depth chart too. They did just draft a guy almost in the first round. He was like the 33rd pick. 
to come in in DeAndre Swift, who I think is a far superior player. So that's the big difference to me. Geis, I don't think Geis is going to have a heavy workload, but in, if he's healthy and good, I think he'll be their de facto number one. There's a couple other guys in that and that are going to like eat into his you know bottom line, whether Adrian Peterson is there or Bryce Love, I, I guess, is healthy. So there's other guys that could potentially like eat into that bottom line, but he's not going up against a guy who's basically a first-round pick. So on that note, why is J.K. Dobbins in this tier? Because the Ravens have Mark Ingram, Justice Hill, Gus Edwards, and J.K. Dobbins. I think Dobbins is in this tier for me because the Ravens were by far the best running team in the NFL, and he perfectly fits their scheme. I think he's going to get the the opportunity to really, really maximize his reps, which are, are probably going to be, you know, few. he's probably going to get fewer carries than the other guys, but I think he can do more with them because the Ravens scheme is so perfect for him. Opens up so many run lanes. What Lamar Jackson does in terms of holding defense, uh, defensive players on the outside and all that, I think, to me, is, is what separates him from the rest of these guys. All right. Tier eight. We've got Sony Michelle and the Patriots. We've got Denver's Philip Lindsay, Indianapolis's Marlon Mack, Tampa Bay's Keyshawn Vaughn. Chicago's Tariq Cohen, Miami's Matt Burita, and Los Angeles Rams running back Daryl Henderson. Sony Michelle, Jeff Howitt, the athletic reporter this week, may not be ready for practice. Uh, he had foot surgery in May. Jeez. So, I mean, I think we're definitely going to move him down probably because of that if he's not even going to be ready to play. But anyone else in this tier, do you have any qualms with anyone in this tier? I think Tariq Cohen's got to be in the tier above. I don't know. He, I mean, he's James White. Yeah, I think I agree. I agree with that. I think we should probably move him up. I mean, he was one of four guys with 100 targets last year, and they had a bad year, and we talked about it, and he was in the worst shape of his life. So I think Tariq Cohen could have a better year this year. The only guy that I wanted There's to no talk Benny to you guys Cunningham about— to keep him in line. I mean, why wouldn't we just put Damian Harris in this tier? I, I, I will fight for that. <laughs> I, so I let J.K. Dobbins go before when we had our whole little ranking summit. You know, you got to pick your battles. I am going to use all of my energy for Tariq Cohen and Naheem Hines. And I think actually we have Marlon Mack in this tier. If training camp bears out that Naheem Hines has a Danny Woodhead like role, I might fight for Naheem Hines in this tier, not at the Tariq Cohen level. I'm cool with that. It could be. Yeah, I'm fine with that. I'm not. I'm not going to bat for Mack. I, I, this, these are guys in tier eight right now. It's basically, and I think we move Cohen up into the next tier, and then you have guys whose jobs and roles in their offense is very unclear. You got Matt Breida who. Looks like the backup slash third down back maybe for Miami. Not really sure exactly how that's going to bear out. You have Daryl Henderson, who's pretty clearly going to be playing behind Acres, and we don't really know exactly how big that role is going to be. Philip Lindsay's stuck behind Gordon. Yeah. Remember, Daryl Henderson is Lance Dunbar. That is how Sean McVay <laughs> wants to use him. God. So Cowboys fans just cringe. There will be zero Cowboys fans who know that information that will draft Daryl Henderson. These guys should not be starting, I think, in your lineup, but that's why I think Tariq Cohen's in the wrong tier. I, think I agree. Tariq Cohen might be better. I, I'd rather have Tariq Cohen than James White this year. These are like non-startable, non-flex third down backs. These are <laughs> yeah. basically betting against the other people <laughs> in their backfield to some degree. If you're taking Philip Lindsay, you're betting against him. These are not hedges. It's more like, it's like a put. You're like the Melvin Gordon mark, market's about to crash. Yeah. Alright, tier nine. We've got Alexander Mad Madison, Minnesota. He's basically handcuffed to Dalvin Cook. We've got Latavius Murray, who's the handcuff to Alvin Kamara in, in New Orleans. We've got Duke Johnson here from the Texans. We've got Chase Edmonds, who is the Arizona, basically handcuffed to Kenyon Drake. We've got Zach Moss, who is, I don't know what we would call him for Buffalo. And then Tony Pollard, who's the handcuff to Dallas. We've got Adrian Peterson, who is 49 in Washington. <laughs> and then Boston Scott, who's kind of 
the handcuff to Miles Sanders in Philadelphia. Do you have any qualms with this handcuffed here and why Duke Johnson is here? I think I think so just looking, looking at this list and, and taking in mind what we've been talking about this whole pod, I would probably move Duke Johnson and Zach Moss into the tier above. I think Zach Moss is probably in the same boat as like Phil Lindsay and Marlon Mack. I agree. I agree. The rest of this list are guys who, if the person ahead of them is injured, could be top 10, top 15 every week. Right. That the Pure handcuffs. Pure handcuffs. Duke Johnson has independent value, even if David Johnson is doing decent. And Zach Moss might. We just don't know what the Buffalo breakdown is. But everyone else, and then Adrian Peterson is like, just, you know, who knows? He like, might not even be on the roster. He could be their starter. We don't Washington know. Washington <laughs> has, to be clear, Washington has Adrian Peterson. They have Darius Geis. They have Bryce Love, who is the only, like, other person in Geis's tier of, like, just a lot of injuries and hasn't been playing. Mm-hmm. They have J.D. McKissick, who is the Seattle kind of pass-catching dude. They have uh, Peyton Barber, who left yeah. Tampa Bay. And they have Antonio Gibson, who's this really exciting prospect from Memphis. So it's like, they have six, they might bring five backs into their team. And I think, honestly, I think Bryce Love might get cut. And then someone, I think Peyton Barber gets cut. Bryce Love gets put in the practice squad and they carry five guys. But anyway. So here's what I think about tier eight and tier nine here. I think I actually would just draft every single player in tier nine before I drafted a guy in tier eight because they offer, they offer way more upside. And if you look at everybody in tier nine that we just listed, they're pretty much like the majority are all on really good teams. And then if you look at tier eight, a lot of these guys are on mediocre to shitty teams. And I think that you want a running back on a good team. And it's like, you get the Vikings with Alexander Madison. You get the Cowboys with Tony Pollard. The upside with them is so much higher that I, I don't even care if Philip Lindsay or if Matt Breida will like get a little bit more weekly work than Alexander Madison will because I'm not starting them anyway. I completely agree. My my takeaway here is that this part of the draft, when when Sony Michelle, Lindsay, Marlon Mack, Keyshawn Vaughn, Breida, and Daryl Henderson are going, I'm trying to take receivers, tight ends, or like I've waited long enough to take my quarterback. I don't want them. And then I'm going to go three or four rounds probably without a running back. And then I'll circle back to this tier of Madison Murray, Duke Johnson, Chase Edmonds, Pollard, Moss. I don't want Philip Lindsay. Like, I just don't see the value in that, that part of the draft. Like, DK, do you, looking at this whole draft now, it, it, I'm kind of thinking, I don't really want to be taking a running back basically from tier eight. From Really, we're talking about from like the 80th pick to like 120th. Do you agree with that? I definitely don't get excited about any of these guys. I think I would take, I don't know, it just depends on how you feel about, you know, taking like handcuff type players. Like if 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 Melvin Gordon gets hurt, Philip Lindsay could rush for a thousand yards and he's already done it in his career. So it's like there is some upside certainly there. But would it just go back to the Royce Freeman, Philip Lindsay situation? <laughs> I, yeah, as God. someone, yeah, I maybe. have been called Royce Freeman truther and I am, passive. I mean, if this season happens 10 times, I think three of them, Royce Freeman might not even make the team. And I right. love Royce Freeman. I'm a little, I'm a little worried. So Phil, but Phil Lindsay, it's just uninspiring. But that's what you're. That's that's the type of player you're typically getting in the in these in this area of the draft, anyway. Well, that's the thing is, you want upside. So I guess Lindsay makes sense. But I don't really see upside with Adrian Peterson. I don't see upside no. so much with Daryl Henderson even. Which of these players, like with that in mind, like you're trying to draft someone who's like, oh yeah, he could just break out. Which of these players do you actually see a breakout scenario here that does not include an injury? It's got to be Zach Moss, right? Yeah, Zach Moss. I, you know, I still think that Daryl Henderson is talented, but I don't think he's going to get a full time role. So I don't know. I, I, yeah, I'd say Zach Moss is really interesting, and then maybe Duke Johnson. Yeah, Duke needs to be higher, and I think Boston Scott could carve out a role in Philadelphia. That yeah, Boston Scott was awesome down the stretch last year. So the comp for him, I mean, he's the comp for him before the draft was Darren Sproles because he's literally like Darren Sproles' size. And then he's been drafted by the Saints, who 
you know, we're using him to replace Darren Sproles. And then it got cut. And then the, or no, the Eagles signed him off the practice squad to literally, again, replace Darren Sproles. So if he had a Darren Sproles role, I mean, it's like preordained. If we're taking if we're taking anybody in this group, though, I'm going with my guy, Tony Pollard, I think. Just because he could he could be legitimately like the lottery ticket of this group. I'm a fan of drafting a handcuff for a guy that you don't have and just stashing him just in case. Yeah. All right. That's the people we have in our top 150 on our rankings from a couple weeks ago. Are there any snubs that you guys have that we didn't rank the first go around that we're going to try to change for the next group of rankings? Any guys that we haven't talked about that you're actually going to be targeting? I have a couple guys. No, I think, I mean, I think we've talked about them. So Danny, why don't you just jump into the Well, I mentioned your guys. Naheem Hines on the Colts. Mm-hmm. I will be fighting tooth and nail to get on our rankings. I think that there's a, there's a 50% chance that they're just going to give him a Danny Woodhead, Darren Sproles role this year. Damian Harris and the Patriots, again, I think there is, he just I have no idea what's cut. happening, yeah. but we watch Patriots training camp because there's a chance that August 15th, Mike Reese reports, by the way, Damian Harris is the starting running back for the New England Patriots. He's currently not even draft being drafted anywhere. And then Chris Thompson on the Jaguars, who is basically, to me, there's two reasons they brought him in. Like, what happens is anytime a coach goes to a team to be a coordinator, head coach, whatever, is you bring players in who know your system because they can teach it to other players. That's why they, why did they sign that blocking tight end? It's the, it's the training system. Chris Thompson was like this beloved locker room guy in Washington who is just universally beloved by everyone he's ever played with. He could have been brought in as a culture guy to just fix the worst culture team in football right now with Jacksonville, or he could be brought into, he's going to be the pass catching running back for this team that can't block and like, will could maybe be top five or six in running back targets. I have no idea which it is, but I'm really curious to see like the fact they were trying to tr- trade Leonard Fournette the entire like spring and they couldn't. Yeah. I'm very interested to see if Chris Thompson actually just will be more than a third down back. In that vein, you have Reichwell Armstead too, who could be the handcuff to Leonard Fournette. I think so. If you're talking about guys, though? I think he's a decent running back. He, I, he hasn't proven anything in the NFL yet, obviously. So we don't have a lot of information, but it's not an endorsement. That didn't sound your tone was like, yeah. When you talk he was about- a fifth rounder. That's exactly <laughs> what he is, I think. Chris Carson was a seventh rounder. No, yeah, the whole round thing. I, if Fournette's I'm out, out. If Fournette gets I'm just, traded. I'm just saying, like, he's Okay, fine. so if Fournette gets he's traded fine. tomorrow, what tier is Reichel Armstead in? I think he certainly... <laughs> that's a good... That's a really like good question. Like, six? Like, he's, he's not good. That's my thing. He's, he's not, not... So, he's not 100% certain to be the true handcuff there. That's the problem. They've got a couple other rookie guys that they just signed... I could maybe outplay him. Divino Zigbo is still there. It, that is exactly what you need to know, is we don't know enough about Reichwell Armstead to feel confident that he is the true handcuff. Leonard Fournette's going to get more carries than we think now because yeah. they tried to trade him and they couldn't. So they're like, we're going to run you into the ground. That's the best. Honestly, it's the best argument for taking Fournette this year because that's exactly what Le'Veon Bell said last year when he sat out the season. Was He told uh, Jeremy Fowler of ESPN, like, as soon as I was on the tag and I knew I wasn't going to come back, I knew they were going to give me 400 touches again. And I'm now he literally averaged like 398 touches <laughs> per 16 games. But I agree. That is the perverted and extremely twisted logic of football is that they will grind these guys to. So who would you rather have this year? That is our final question. Le'Veon Bell or Leonard Fournette? Fournette. Fournette. No question. I want to. So we need to. Would you rather we need Le'Veon to- Bell or give up your job as Chargers quarterback? <laughs> <laughs> I love my team. I love LA. I wish we went back to San Diego, though. All right. Those are our tiers. If you want to use our tiers, we will be updating them at fantasyfootball.theringer.com where you can check out our draft guide. But 
honestly, it's really worth doing it. If you can sit down and make your own tiers, ultimately it is a decision-making guide. And really what you're doing is you're writing down your gut feelings about groups of players. Mm -hmm. And so in the moment you can follow your gut because you wrote your gut down on pieces of paper. It's really <laughs> helpful. Encourage you to do it. Guys, do you have any last qualms with their tiers overall? Tiers in general? I'm just saying Duke Johnson and David Johnson are both third round picks and David Johnson had a better career. So I don't know how we can say Duke Johnson's better. <laughs> I have a qualm with cybersecurity. All right. Those people paying the ransoms, get your shit together. That's my qualm. I'm going to, that's our next episode. We're going to do receiver tiers. And then after that, we're going to tier cybersecurity ransom companies. <laughs> Who's number one? <laughs> I can't, don't, you can't do the episode before the episode, Craig. It's like right, 101. Okay. All right. Thank you to everyone. Thank you, DK. Thank you, Craig. Thank you to Duke and David Johnson, who are going to provide a lot of content this year. <laughs> Thank you, everyone, for listening. We'll see you guys on Wednesday.